Views and opinions expressed on this program are those solely of its speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of WMUA, its management board, or the board of trustees of the University of Massachusetts. For WMUA News, I'm Bonnie Chen. In the final installment of our three-part pandemic series, tune in to hear the effects of COVID-19 on family relationships as well as how universities manage the return of their students from their semesters abroad at the height of the pandemic. Stick around. Often you see your parents as perfect individuals. Only when you know their full story and are made to spend time with them every day do you see them in a different light. My relationship with my parents before this pandemic came about a bit strained. I lost much of my communication with them. My return caused the relationship to shift as I heard more about their past. My mother, Elizabeth Figueroa, did not live an easy and simple life. She devotes her life to her children and asks for nothing in return, moving constantly without any proper support and not knowing much about the English language. When I moved from Puerto Rico, to Lawrence, Massachusetts, I moved with my grandmother and my grandfather. And at the, at the beginning, I didn't know a lot of English, so I couldn't understand the language. I went to school, and then I learned the language. Mommy raised two children by herself and had to work in order to provide for her family. She could not live her youth as she wanted to and had to pick her family over anything else. I got separated from the father of my two kids and I didn't know what to do. I was like 21 and he was like 23. I dedicated my life to my two kids, working, paying rent, paying bills, taking care of them, getting them to school, giving them the education. Mommy worked hard to give to her children and proceeds to do so. She gave birth to two more children in her late 20s and proceeds to aid me in college. My mother felt lonesome as I was unable to communicate with her as much as I used to. Coming home changed our relationship. Now we, we get to spend more time together, talk more, have more communication. We love each other more, we care about each other more. We didn't know when can we call you or when can we have communication. You were too busy with school and programs and jobs. My father also did not live an easy or simple life. Bobby migrated to the United States at the age of 17 from Guatemala. Crossing the border was not an easy task to do and moving to a new country was foreign to him. He traveled for a month to California from Guatemala. It took too long, a uh, lot of time walking, and, and difficult and danger, but we get here. Bobby lived in California for nine years and helped provide for his family at a young age. He lived a dangerous life in Guatemala and felt like the United States would provide a better future for him. A type of civil war engulfed Guatemala. My father was pro-Democrat and felt like he must move to a country that believed in people's rights and liberties. Oh, was 
something new, new experience, new new life, new everything. You have to learn new language, uh, new form of life. You start working uh, and contribute with the, with money to my family because um, in my family I was already here. You know, being with the family is always is is good and and you find progress in, in that. So. He cares about his family and having his daughter by his side in a country that can provide her a better future. I spent much of my time with him growing up. My absence made him miss me since we spent so much time together in the past. One could call me a daddy's girl when asking about our relationship. Yeah. I miss you a lot and because uh, you were part of my life too, so we were apart, so yeah, it was a little difficult. When my parents were around the age that I am now, they lived difficult lives. They worked hard to provide a better future for themselves and their family. Going to school made me lose a strong bond we built since I acquired a busy schedule. The pandemic allowed me to rekindle that bond and appreciate them more as caring individuals and spend more time with them. For WMUA News, I'm Kayla Ortega. Studying abroad is often a dream for college students. It may take years of planning and preparation for only a few months of travel, but the experience each person gets are unrivaled by anything else. This past spring semester abroad was no different until a global pandemic suddenly swept through the world. The ensuing chaos made abroad memorable for a different reason. I had the opportunity to dive into the journey of three different college students and take a deeper look into how each of their respective colleges handled this unprecedented interruption. Chloe Primek is a senior at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. She studied political science in the spring of 2020 in Alicante, Spain. She was at a bar partying with friends when she first heard President Trump's initial announcement when he stated, to keep new cases from reaching our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. She received an email from her program about a week later notifying her that her time in Spain was canceled. At this time, she intended to stay, but UMass made it clear that wasn't an option due to concerns surrounding the safety of students abroad. UMass was like, we're gonna like, take away your credit if you don't come back. Like, we won't consider you UMass students if you stay there. Although the information was not corroborated with any UMass officials, Primix's understanding of the matter was that her status as a student was threatened if she continued to stay in Spain. However, she saw the order to go home as problematic as the mass exodus of students abroad could potentially threaten those back at home. So I don't think it's a logical response to send everyone back from different countries to one country where you're trying, trying to control the virus. You're just going to be bringing it with you. Premack finally agreed to head home to Boston, Massachusetts after a week of negotiations. She remains frustrated with her lack of options presented at the time. There wasn't many um, cases where I was, so I was like, I wanted to stay where I was and I was scared to go to the airport and get the virus and bring it back to my family once I get home. However, Premack believes her UMass Study Abroad program made the best decisions it could with the information available through President Trump and the CDC at the time. I think they did what they could but since everything was unclear and like our president didn't even have the right response, I couldn't expect a university who probably wasn't getting all the information either to have a correct response. A little farther east in Rome, Italy, Alexis Adams, a senior at Michigan State studying psychology, received a notice that her program was canceled on March 8th. But the option to stay and travel was up to her. At this point in time, many believed the crisis was predominantly confined to Italy and had not yet taken root on a global scale. Al Jazeera News reports on the severity of the issue in Italy during a press conference with Prime Minister Conte himself. 
Prime Minister Conte is calling it the country's toughest crisis since World War II. All non-essential businesses are being shut for the time being. Where school like stopped making people go to class at the end of February, beginning of March, but we, my, like, MSU kicked us out on March 8th was our last day. We were allowed to be there. Following the announcement from her school, Adams and her roommates migrated to Amsterdam in an attempt to stay in Europe before figuring out a more long-term plan. Adams says the whole situation was disorganized and confusing. The infamous Trump call happened and was like, you won't be let in America, even if you're American, which isn't true at the time, but it was what he said. So everyone was freaking out. I was like woken up in the middle of the night from people dry heave crying outside my hotel door. 11,000 miles away in Wellington, New Zealand, St. Michael's University senior Jocelyn Long faced a different struggle with COVID-19. She was studying art history of New Zealand when her school notified her that the choice to stay or go was up to her. I was like, at this point, if everyone around me is getting sent home and like, if it does get worse here and I can't get home and my visa expires, basically my program was like, I'm home or risk staying there indefinitely. Like you, you make the choice. Long had to weigh decisions such as being trapped in the country, the layovers and subsequent exposure a long flight would cause, and the state of her immunocompromised brother at home. New Zealand, you have like layovers in different parts. So like we had our layover on our way home, like in San Francisco, which was a huge hotspot. And then we went into Boston, which was a huge hotspot. So that was like very stressful. In the next two days, Long would decide to return home, but the lack of information at present made the safety of her arrival home confusing. How do we act if we're, like, it's worse in the U.S. My dad's going out to the grocery store. Like, at this point, my brother's still going to work. And I was like, how do we not, how do we know, like, who's being exposed to what? And, like, who's being the safest, really? The COVID-19 virus has since impacted almost every part of daily life since it arrived on U.S. shores. These students' testimonies reveal the fear and uncertainty the coronavirus brought to their lives when they are thousands of miles from home. However, everyone interviewed promises that one day they'll return to the country they briefly called a home away from home. For WMUA News, I'm Chloe Lindahl. The COVID-19 pandemic has upended urban commuting. My dad's a typical New Yorker. He drives to the Long Island Railroad, rides with hundreds of people into the city, and switches to the subway. But commuting's become dangerous as public transportation introduces new challenges to social distancing. My dad, like thousands more from all over the tri-state area, are sharing the same air every day. My dad, Keith Guilfoyle, is 53 years old. I am in, uh, an exam manager for J.P. Morgan Chase in New York City. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Over two decades, he's been traveling 32 miles each way, five days a week. Door to door would be about two hours each way. I would read or sleep, and or sleep, or both. He's up by 6 a.m. and out by 6.30 in the morning. It was a nightmare. I love my job, passionate about my job. It was just the commute was terrible. This is breaking news from Channel 7 Eyewitness News.
Breaking news fears the coronavirus may have made it to New York City. One person is being evaluated right now at Bellevue Hospital for the highly contagious virus. When the coronavirus hit in early March, all New Yorkers faced a radical change to their daily lives. The second week of March, I think March 12th or 13th, we were supposed to start to go on one week rotation, one week at home, and then vice versa with the other team. That way, anybody in one team got COVID, you would also you would have you would have the other team being able to still conduct business. It didn't exactly work out that way. We were supposed to start that on a Monday. Because of what happened over that weekend when everything blew up, basically then it, it shut down. And from that point, I had not been in back in the office. Overnight, his commute shrank from 20 hours a week to nothing. You know, after 20 years of doing this, this agenda that I have of every day, waking up at a certain time, going to work, getting, getting, working at work and then coming home and then coming from that to going from your bedroom to the living room. I asked him what it was like to work at home after 22 years of his routine commuting grind. It's almost like getting cabin fever because you're, you're never leaving your house. So he's given up sleeping on the trains, but he says it hasn't been all bad. The way I see it is I have four hours of my life that was spent sitting on a train where I'm sort of isolated on the things I'm doing to now I can get that exercise routine I would go in and I can do additional work because my computer's right here. I love it. I love it. My sister and I moved back to Long Island to live with our mother when the pandemic first broke out, which was about 15 minutes from my dad's home. And of course I have more time to spend with my children. My dad's visiting a lot. My children are home, I can pop over, I can see my kids whenever I want. Because it's not like, it's not like they're, you know, two hours away in the city. You know, that would be more on a personal life. There's more time to spend with family and friends. And trust me on this, I mean a lot. And now, now I have all the time in the world. In the past six months, I've spent more time with my dad than I have in the past 22 years. We're closer now than ever before. While we reporters tend to focus on the bad things about this pandemic, we've been fortunate. None of us have caught COVID-19, we're able to work, and we've become closer as a family. Despite the tragedy around us, I guess we've found a silver lining. For WMUA News, I'm Shane Guilfoyle. Music for this program was provided by Purple Planet and Timber.